0: Welcome to the Daily Office Lectionary. I'm Father Reed. Today, we are going to look at the Scriptures in Proper 26, which basically means we'll be looking at Revelation and the book of Luke. As I said last week, we have decided not to study uh, in detail Ecclesiasticus. That's what's listed for the Old Testament. Uh, because it's in the Apocrypha. Now there's other, one other point that I want to bring up before we start with Revelation 14, is that you notice in the Sunday scriptures that they're significantly different from Monday through Saturday. And so there's a there's a rhythm that they follow there. I just haven't gone into it with you. But if you want to look at 1 Corinthians 12:27 to 13, 13 and Matthew 18:21 to 35, they're excellent. And, of course, you're going to read them. 1 Corinthians 13, being the famous chapter on love, love is patient, love is kind, etc. These three remain, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. Very, very famous verses from the Bible and perhaps some of uh, St. Paul's most famous lines. So he's talking about love in 1 Corinthians. And in Matthew 18, he's talking about forgiveness. Those are two of my favorite subjects in the Bible. Love and forgiveness, love and forgiveness. And so in 1821 to 35, one of my favorite parables is the parable of the person that owed a extraordinary amount of money and he was forgiven, but then he went and someone owed him some money, which was far, far less and he beat him up. And the king finds out about it and takes care of that one that was forgiven much but did not extend forgiveness to his brother. And so the lessons of love and forgiveness are applicable for all time, of any culture at any time. And please read those with great um, love and devotion. And listen to the Lord uh, as he speaks to you about those two scripture texts. Beautiful scriptures. First Corinthians 12, end of 12 and 13, and Matthew 18, 21 to 35. Let's go back to Revelation. Remember I said last week how difficult Revelation is? And we're going to uh, have some difficult scriptures here. These are really, really tough. 14, 15, 16, 17, uh, and 18 are just very, very difficult. And I will do my best to uh, uh, share with you. uh, If you feel like you've kind of missed a little bit, Uh, That's okay. Read the text. Read the text. Read the text. Again, if you have some study notes at the bottom, they may help you a little bit. But remember, particularly in Revelation, I would say that this particular book, these particular chapters and this particular book, particularly the middle chapters, there's lots of controversy and lots of difference of opinion about what it means. Chapter 14, verse 1. Then I looked, and behold, on Mount Zion stood the Lamb. The Lamb is Jesus. And with him, 144,000, this is the famous, very famous 144,000, who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven like the roar of many waters and like the sound of loud thunder. The voice I heard was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps. And they were singing a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and before the elders. No one could learn that song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. Okay. They have been redeemed from mankind as first fruits for God in the Lamb, and in their mouth no lie was found, for they were blameless. So who's the 144,000? That's a great question. And he continues on in verses uh, chapter 14, 1 to 13. And then he's talking about another angel flying directly overhead. Uh, verse 6, with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth, to every nation, tribe, and language, and people. And that's what we're trying to do, is proclaim this eternal gospel. Fear God and give him glory. That's great teaching right there. Recommended highly. Because the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of the water. There we're we're extolling the creation. We are letting you know that we should be giving God glory and that there's going to be an hour of judgment and we should worship him. When is this going to take place? We don't know. Fallen, fallen is Babylon the Great. Verse eight: She who made all dr- nations drink the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. Now, so again, there are a lot of verses here that are hard to figure out exactly what they mean. But verse twelve is not difficult. Here's a call for the endurance of the saints. When the times get difficult and they get hard, we need to endure those who keep His commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. I can't say that any better, and that's very clear. Keep the commandments, keep your faith in Christ. We may not understand exactly the interpretation of, these, of this language in Revelation 11 and 12 and 13 and 14 and 15 and 16 and 17 and 18, but there are beautiful nuggets uh, in our readings that uh, I've tried to draw attention to. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. That's exactly what you and I want to be. We want to die in the Lord. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. Follow him. Their deeds follow him. Okay? We continue on with the angels are speaking in the second half of 14, in verses 14 through 20. And then we have the seven angels with the seven plagues in chapter 15, verse 1 and following. And again, another. Song of the Lamb, this is, again, a beautiful uh, phraseology in the midst of sometimes difficult interpretation. Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. Beautiful language about the Lord. And then he says, after this, I looked in the sanctuary, of the tent of witness in heaven was open and out of the sanctuary came the seven angels with the seven plagues clothed in pure bright linen with golden sashes around their chest. Not exactly sure what all that means, but beautiful language. So we go from very simple language to beautiful language. Okay. Read on, pray. Chapter 16, one through 21. I heard a loud voice, verse 1, from the temple telling the seven angels, Go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. What is the seven bowls of the wrath of God? So they begin to do that, and he begins to explain to you what he's doing. Look what he says in verse 7. Yes, Lord God, the Almighty, true and just are your judgments. The fourth angel poured out a bowl on the sun, and it was allowed to scorch people with fire. So what does that mean? Don't let it terrify you, don't let it worry you. Read it, pray. Again, if you've got some kind of means to help you with what it means, do that. But do not be terrified by the language. It is and can be difficult to understand and to deal with. And then, of course, he goes into the seventh bowl in verses 17 through 21. And great hailstones, about a hundred pounds each, verse 21, fell from heaven on people and they cursed God for the plague of the hail because the plague was so severe. Now we've got plagues. And then in 17, we've got the great prostitute and the beast. We talked about the beast last time. Okay? Okay. Come, I will show you the judgment, verse 1, of the great prostitute is seated on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality, and with the wine of whose sexual immorality the dwellers on earth have become drunk. So he carried me away in the spirit in the wilderness. Hard language. Something is going on, and it is very terrifying. And then he talks in 15. The angel says to me, The waters that you saw where the prostitute is seated are peoples and multitudes and nations and languages, and the ten horns that you saw, they're the beast, that and they and the beast will hate the prostitute. Um, and verse 17: God has put it into their hearts to carry out his purpose by being of one mind and handling handing over their royal power to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. Read, pray reflect, maybe listen to a commentary, and move on. Chapter 18, 1 to 14. Then I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority. And the earth was made bright with his glory. And he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen is Babylon the Great. She has become a dwelling place for demons. Now, is Babylon here today? No. That's why it's hard to figure out. There's no Babylon today. There is an. We know where the area of Babylon is. There's a nation there, but this is this is ancient Babylon. So you, tr- if you were a biblical scholar, you would try to figure out what does this mean? What does this mean? When is this taking place? Should I be concerned about this? Should I be concerned about this? What is God saying? And the kings of the earth, verse nine, who committed sexual immorality and lived in luxury with her, will weep and wail over her when they see the smoke of her burning. So there's judgment again. You and I know that there's judgment in the Bible. In these middle chapters in Revelation, we see them profoundly written out in this unbelievable story, okay? And so we go through verse 14, verse 14. The fruit for which your soul longed for, longed has gone from you, and your delicacies and your splendors are lost to you, never to be found again. So there's serious judgment and there's serious loss. When, where, who, how many? For what reason? That would take some significant amount of work. So what you are doing in your lectionary readings and what I'm doing in the lectionary readings is you're getting a taste of these extraordinary chapters, very, very emotionally filled, very, very uh, uh, beautiful in, the, in the, the tapestry that they um, describe, in the way they describe these amazing things that God is doing. And there are scripture verses, as I've pointed out to you, that we can hear the word of the Lord in terms of the way we should live and what should we think about God and the insights about God. So we have every now and again some beautiful verses that he's given us in the midst of this apocalyptic literature, which we just quite frankly, uh, not used to and not comfortable with and haven't been trained in Luke chapter 12 back to Luke. Now this is, as I said last week, much more simple to understand 49 I've come to cast fire on the earth verse 12 uh, chapter 12 and would it that were already kindled I have a baptism to be baptized with and how great is my distress until it's accomplished do you think I've come to give peace on the earth no I tell you but rather division and then he talks about division and he talks about division because Jesus brings division how does he bring division by sharing with us who he is and what he's about and then he asks us to decide. Now, the only points that I've tried to repeatedly make in our study of Revelation the last several weeks is, sometimes it's hard to understand what the points are. But the points in the gospel, they're quite clear. They're quite clear. Chapter 13, repent or perish. What you and I need to be concerned about is our sin. What you and I need to be concerned about is repenting of our sin. What you and I need to be concerned about is repenting of our sin through Christ and receiving Christ's forgiveness. As I said to you earlier about Matthew 18, 21, 35, the importance of forgiveness and receiving that forgiveness and extending it to others. He talks about the woman with a disabling spirit, 10 to 17. He's teaching in the synagogue. There's a woman who had a spirit, 18 years. She couldn't. Straighten herself. Jesus saw her, called her over. Woman, you're freed from your disability. She didn't say anything. He just, he just had the authority to heal her right then and there. He laid hands on her. She was made straight. She glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue was indignant because Jesus healed on the Sabbath. So it was more important for the ruler of the synagogue to be upset with Jesus over a tradition that he believed he was breaking, rather than a person who had been in great Difficulty on a day to day basis for 18 plus years to be healed. And so Jesus had to deal with that kind of obtuseness. Remember, we talked last week about the Pharisees and the Sadducees and him laying in on them with the obtuseness that these people had toward him was very significant. So he's casting out devils, he's teaching us, he's in conflict with the leadership. Oftentimes, he's preaching and he's teaching, and people are listening to what he's saying, but then there's other times he's going directly against the Pharisees and Sadducees. We see that a lot in John's gospel, these long sections with 7, chapter 7, chapter 8, chapter 9, where he's dealing with people that disagree with him. Chapter 13, 18 to 30, he's teaching about the kingdom of God, a grain of mustard seed in chapter 13, verse 18. What shall I compare the kingdom of God? It's like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. Then he talked about the narrow door. He says in verse 24, strive to enter through the narrow door. Many, I tell you, will seek to enter and they will not be able to enter. But whence the master of the house is risen and shut the door, you're going to stand outside and knock and say, Lord, open to us. I don't know you. Well, we ate and drank in your presence, verse 26. But he say, I don't know you. Depart from me. You do not want that to happen to you. You do not want weeping and gnashing of teeth. You want to know the Lord. You want to be prepared, as I said last week, for the coming of the Lord. You want to fear the Lord and keep his commandments. You want to strive to enter through the narrow door. Anybody can go through the broad gate that leads to destruction. Anybody can go through the broad path that, that is easily traveled upon. The road most traveled, not the road less traveled. Go through the narrow door. Go through Christ. Do what Christ tells you to do. He laments over Jerusalem at the end of 13 because they do not want to hear the word of the Lord. They kill the prophets and stone those people who speak the word of the Lord. And therefore, he says in verse 35, your house is forsaken. It's desolate. You will not see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Again, this man is fearless. He's telling us the truth. You want to prepare yourself, as I try to, to hear the truth, to honestly look at the truth, to evaluate it, to pray about it, and then to do what the Lord says with the Holy Spirit's empowerment. The Holy Spirit will empower you. But you have to know what it is that he wants you to do. This is why the reading of the scriptures is so important. This is why the daily lectionary is so important. So that you will get, and get, in the, get in the scriptures and get in the habit of doing it regularly. So it becomes a part of your life. You want this routine of reading and listening to become a part of your life. Finally, chapter 14, 1 through 11, he heals a man on the Sabbath. Another healing on the Sabbath? You're not supposed to do that? Jesus says, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? They remained silent. He took them. He healed him. He says, which of you, having a son or an ox, this is 14, 5, that has fallen into a well on a Sabbath day, won't you immediately pull it out? And the answer is, of course you're going to pull it out. But they wouldn't answer. So instead of wanting to receive truth and hearing the word of the Lord, they stuck to a very wrong interpretation of a relationship with God, and it hurt them significantly. So my prayer for us as we gather together each week is an openness to, and a willingness to hear the word of the Lord. The parable of the wedding feast, about being invited to the wedding feast. You've been, been, been invited to a great feast, people. Take the lowest place. Take the lowest place. Finally, what a great scripture to end our study on today. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And the person that humbles himself will be exalted. Be the humbled person. Take the lowest place. See yourself lowest. Humble yourselves before others. Serve other people. You're going to do a lot better than pride and haughtiness and putting yourself in the highest position. Take the lowest position. This is, again, why we need to read the scriptures, so that you can know what is God's will for you and me, and then you put these scriptures in your head, you keep praying about them and thinking about them, reflecting them, and let the Holy Spirit speak to you as you prayerfully consider scriptures from Revelation and the Gospel of Luke. God bless you. Glad you got to join us for Proper 26. We'll look at Proper 27 next week.